Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. In this show, I'll be interviewing writer, director, and producer Tommy Kraft. Sit tight while Tommy joins us here shortly. Tommy, are you there? Yeah, I am. How are you? Doing good, man. How, welcome to the show, man. How are things going with you today? Oh, good. Thank you. Just working away as usual. Nice. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. It's good to hear. Well, let's get started. Uh, for the listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell everyone about what it is you do exactly and everything? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Tommy Kraft, and I'm the writer, director, and executive producer on Star Trek Horizon, which is a, an independent Star Trek film set in the Enterprise era during the Romulan War. Nice. That's awesome, man. And it, let's talk about your... It's an incredibly cool film. I was looking at your trailer. It just looks amazing. How did this project exactly come about? Can you tell everybody about the plot of the movie, the various characters, and so forth? Well, it started about a year and a half, two years ago. It was during my last semester of college, and um, I'd been going through a rough time, and I was watching a lot of Enterprise, and Enterprise inspired me a lot, and inspired me to uh, to, to get through things, and so being a filmmaker, um, it also inspired the storytelling side of me, and it, uh, it's kind of my way of, of giving back to a show that helped me a lot and um, telling a story that I'm really invested and passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's really the, the... Pardon? I said that's really interesting. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, and the the story of the film is it takes place a year before the founding of the Federation, which is, for people who aren't tracking, is like the... Um, it's the main faction, as it were, in Star Trek, and um, the Romulan War is a really big thing in Star Trek canon that has never really been seen on screen. It's been talked about a lot over the years, but they've never shown it, and Enterprise, the final Star Trek show, was going to go into the storyline. Unfortunately, they were canceled before they could do that, and so they had that storyline that was left hanging and some other threads that they didn't get a chance to close out. And so I'm attempting to do that with Horizon. So the story follows the crew of the NXO4 Discovery, which is a ship like the Enterprise, but not the Enterprise. So since I didn't want to use the original crew without the original actors. And it follows their pursuits in this war and an attempt to gain an upper hand in the war. Very cool. That's very cool. So you're basically it was about I think it's the year twenty twenty one sixty if I'm not if I'm not if I'm correct. Excuse me. Correct. Yep. And that's right before the founding of the Federation. So you're going into the Romulan War. Just out of curiosity, out of the four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise, what are some of your favorite episodes that like stand out in your mind? And can you elaborate on like your reasons and why like you enjoy them and stuff? Well, um, most of the episodes in season three. I love that season. I thought it was a great arc uh, with Zindi, and it it really 
took things to a different place that we hadn't seen in Star Trek before, even with the Minion War and DS9, and I really liked that they had this serialized story arc where they were really able to develop and expand certain characters and stories, and some specific episodes out of the show in general that I like uh, from that up from that season. Um, the episode of Zahadi Prime is one of my favorites. Just if for no other reason than for the fact we get to see that awesome battle at the end of the episode where the ship gets pretty much destroyed, which is something that, at least in that way, we haven't really seen in a Star Trek show before. And um, there's uh, uh, Harbinger is another favorite favorite of mine because you have those really cool moments with the sphere builders and you find out a bit more about them and that kind of oh crap moment when you realize that they're the real bad guys behind everything. Um, but I mean, really other than that, there's a lot. I really like most of the episodes on the show actually, cause I'm a fanboy. Mm. That's pretty neat. I mean, I'm a big fan of enterprise as well. Now, you have characters in your, in your movie that, uh, you have, I believe the captain's name is Harrison Hawk, if I'm correct on that. Yes, sir. Yeah, and his he's he's uh, in XO four. How's his command style like compared to that of Captain Archer, played by Scott Bakula? And as a follow up, also, is there any like, background information on him and his care, career and like Starfleet? And can you share that? Yeah, um, it, some of the information is kind of critical to the story of the movie, so I don't want to give away too much. But um, yeah. Captain Hawk is kind of he's a bit more of a uh, a battle-hardened version of a captain than Captain Archer is. And one of the things that's really important to Captain Hawk is his sense of morality and and what does it mean to to be a, a moral force in the larger universe and galaxy. And so he takes with him everywhere he goes and every battle he's in these things that have happened in his past that are very much influencing his decisions. And he has, because of those things, a very strong desire to see people united together and to bring, to be a force for good in the galaxy and and in the, I guess, the greater universe. And that in this film is tested a lot for him and it's tested for his whole crew as they uh as they're in the midst of this this war and also as they take on a new crew member which is a Romulan defector and there's a lot of issues there for both him and the crew of of can we trust her um and is at what point are we rightfully mistrustful and at what point are we just, you know, is, is it just bigotry? And so there's a lot going on with him and in towing that line of of being a good example for his crew and yet also having to maintain a certain distance and chain of command. Interesting. Wow. So like you t- so y'all actually taking on a Romulan onto the ship because I was wondering about if we're going to see the Romulans like uh, who's who's doing the creation of like is there, we're going to see inside the Romulan ship like the bridge or anything like that or yep um, the Romulan defector to um, 
in part to maintain canon, is a genetically modified Tal Shiar operative. So her original mission before defecting was to infiltrate Starfleet and kind of work from the inside. And so she is essentially human at this point, or at least looks human. And um, But there are other Romulans that we, the audience, will see. Um, the, the characters don't see Romulan faces because we can't do the canon. But, um, and we do also see inside the bridge, the bridge of a, um, of a Romulan bird of prey, which is, uh, like the, the ship that we saw in Minefield of season two of Enterprise and also a version of that ship that we saw in the original series. So we do definitely see inside those and there's a Romulan, a really cool looking Romulan space station that we go inside of as well. Nice. Well, so the space station, I'm assuming it's Romulan. It's like not like a K-7, like a Klingon. So it's going to be, will we see inside that? or? Yeah, um, because uh, it's it's part of their mission that they um, that they go on to, um, it's just like part of, it's like their main mission in, in the movie. And they have to, either destroy or incapacitate the space station because it's supposed to be this big weapon that could be very devastating. And mm-hmm. so um, we do see inside that a bit, and, of course, the exterior is is pretty cool-looking, designed by um, Eric Henry, who I met on the Axonar project. And um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of goodies in there, Romulan goodies for people who are fans of the Romulans. Oh, that's awesome, man. So so you worked on Axonar as well, or? Yeah, um, in fact, I'm working on it right now. Um, I'm doing their, uh, I'm compositing in CG backgrounds for oh, all wow. their shots. Yeah, oh, so, um, that's, yeah, it's a lot of work, too. It's like my other main project next to Horizon, and it's uh, it's been a good project as well. Yeah, it looks cool. I saw the trailer for that. It looks amazing as well. Speaking of special effects and sets, I noticed it looks like you're using like a lot of green screen technology when filming. And I guess you're how are you going about that creating the various sets? And how much of the filming locations in your film exactly utilize the use of the green screen? Just curious. Well, um, it was first and foremost. I knew from the start that it would be out of the budget to recreate the sets of the NXL one. I mean, between the bridge and the corridors and um, crew quarters, engineering, all that, it's just, it's it's not feasible. Even even if we made a lot of money on Kickstarter, I mean, like if we made hundreds of thousands of dollars or something, that would have been too much. So I knew I'd have to go green screen for most mm-hmm. of the film. And in fact, probably about, 90, 98% of the movie is green screen, which probably sounds scary to a lot of people at first, but, I mean, I think if, if you know, people watch the trailer and are opening six minutes, they'll see that it does, in fact, work very well, and a lot of that comes from just very careful planning and um, a lot of experience on my part over the years from from working on short films and other projects, both of my own and other people's. 
and mm-hmm. finally being able to take everything that I've learned and putting it to use on this movie. And so most of it definitely is green screen, but it, uh, I think, is a much better choice than going full sets because not only does that cost a lot, but it would be very hard to find the talented people to put together exact recreations of the Enterprise in a studio because those sets are so detailed and it would just made more sense to go all CG on it. Hmm. Yeah, just the, the sets look amazing, man. Like when I first saw that bridge, I can't even tell the difference. And it looks like you've got a 360 degree where you can spin around in the captain's chair to where like you can see all the different stations. I'm assuming the captain's chair, I think that's, that's actually a physical prompt. Am I correct on that? Yeah, uh, the captain's chair is put together by my brother because he's very good with uh, metalworking and, and he's a mechanic and all that. So I uh, I asked him if he'd help me out with that and um, and it just kind of blends into the CG set. And thank you, by the way. I'm glad that uh, glad that you like it. I think it looks good because um, it's been a yeah, lot of work great. going into that. Thank you. Yeah, it looks. Yo, you're welcome, man. It looks great, and I, I love the, like the CGI, man. I mean, it it just blows away anything I've seen. Like, I mean, I've seen some CGI sets and bridges, but man, it and I love the way you can like add the fire effects and do like this computer screens and I, and it just the core everything looks really 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 realistic. Uh, beside from the CGI elements of the film, like, you have various like Enterprise era props besides the captain's chair, of course. Uh, were these props built by hand, or if so, how did you go like about creation process on those? And also, do any of the props have like hero effects, just like lighting and blinking lights, or any any special features? Or? Well, um, some of the props, for instance, the Enterprise phase pistols and communicators, are um, still there. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my phone beeped on me. Uh, anyway. The uh, the the phase pistols and communicators are uh, the art asylum toys from Enterprise, and those work really well because they were actually cast from the show props, so they're exact replicas. Um, and the orange tips were just painted over silver to match the color of the guns, and they look really great on camera. But there are other props that have been much more painstakingly created, and one of the things that they went over in our last video blog that just released a couple weeks ago was the creation of a Romulan disruptor. And what I'm doing now, one of the things that running a Kickstarter allowed us to do was um, get a 3D printer. And I'm actually 3D printing props now from anything from disruptors to rank pips. And, wow. Uh, it's a, yeah, it, and it's a really beneficial thing to have for especially for this end of filmmaking where you can't go out and hire a studio to build you hero props and so uh eric henry again designed a romulan disruptor for us and then i went in and essentially carved out the interior of it so i could put electronics in it and there's all sorts of cool little nippy things it does. It opens and closes to expose power rods and it lights up with a uh, basically an on-off light to let you know if it's on and the end of it lights up for a beam emitter. All that kind of cool stuff. And it's all actually really extensively covered in my latest video blog, which is on our official website or YouTube if anyone's interested in checking that out. So yeah, we do have some really cool props in the works. Um, 
And, of course, I mean, there's other stuff that are, like, found props or, you know, props that are put together from various things to to make what we need. And uh, there, there's a certain um, satisfaction in that, too, especially considering the original series and, and the kind of props they use. And it feels like a kind of connection to them in some ways to do it all yourself like that. That's very cool, man. That's really neat. I have a I have a question, a curious question. Since you work on Axanar, I know there's like a lot of like, you know, older Star Trek actors and I don't know if there's any Enterprise actors in that. But would would there be a way or somehow you can maybe reach out, you are you gonna are we already tried this, to perhaps get a few of maybe even Scott Baxter to do like I don't know about a physical cameo, but perhaps maybe like come on the com and say this is NX one coming in or you know, trans or something like that. Right. Or it would, you know, kinda blend into the film. I know I've run into Scott before, and he's a, he's a really nice guy. And, he, and I'm sure he'd be maybe. I mean, it's possibly he'd be interested. In maybe some of the other actors, like you know, I just was curious if you reached out to me them being involved with Axanar or any stuff like that. Well, if you know a way I can get in touch with Scott, that would really help. Because I mean, part of the problem with that is um, it's getting past the the agents. Because mm-hmm. I, I actually did try to call his his managers and such, and they actually told me that he didn't want to really have anything to do with Star Trek anymore, which I find very strange and probably untrue. And mm-hmm. the problem is, you, I mean, at that point, there's not much I can do because they won't even put through my request because on top of that, um, he, uh, or the, the system, rather, is that they won't take unsolicited requests. So basically mm-hmm. you have to have a casting agent that, those managers work with on a regular basis and you have to have the casting agent submit your project. And mm. so there's really no way at the moment unless I can get in touch with, you know, Scott Bakula personally to mm. ask him if he'd be interested in lending a voice clip or something. Um yeah. and so I would definitely love to do that. It's just a, a matter of, of finding a way. Mm. Another idea I was thinking of is if you couldn't get him, you could get somebody like Connor Trenier or is Dominic Keaton. I'm, I'm not completely sure on this, but he'd probably be open to doing it. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, it's possible. You might want to try and reach out to him. Like he could say something like, you know, this is, you know, Malcolm Reed for Enterprise coming in, you know, on comm station right. one. We're here to assist or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, it's it's a probability. He's, he's, he's pretty open to things. He's a really nice guy. Um, I have some other questions while we've got a little time here. Now, you have several ships and vessels in the movie, and I believe there was a Vulcan one as well, including the Discovery, which, of course, is an NX-class ship. Since the film takes place mm-hmm. in 2160, which is a little bit after the Enterprise series, which is uh, a few years after, I believe, like four or five, are there any upgrades to the, uh, the NX ship or any of the other various ships? And also, will we perhaps see the use of the shuttle pod that was used in the show so much? Um, there aren't really any upgrades or changes in terms of the design of the NX. I mean, it looks a little bit different because of the way I've approached it. And it, it has a bit of it's a different uh, aesthetic to it, per se. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there aren't really any changes or updates to the look. And the Vulcan ships, there's actually three of them featured in the movie. Uh, there's only been one that I've shown so far. And those all look the same as well. So um, there isn't the the only thing new that we really see in terms of ships are 
some custom designed Romulan ships and stations, space stations. Um, mm. And of course, the Iconian stuff that we saw in the opening scene. But in terms of Starfleet technology, it's basically just limited to Enterprise itself and uh, the NX-04. And I, I haven't been using the Doug Drexler refit because mm-hmm. um, this takes place a year or so before the final episode, these are the voyages, and they didn't have a refit in that. So it wouldn't, it would break canon, as I say, to use the refit. Right. Yeah, I remember that because at the end of the uh, series, uh, like you'd said, it was originally the same NX class design as they had for the whole sh- this whole series. I have, a, I have another question. Now, you've also, besides the props, you've created a lot of realistic uniforms in the style that were worn in the series. Just curious, who's responsible for, like, the construction of the uniforms, design, and so forth? Uh, that's been all me, actually, um, because I, when I first started the project, I was looking into avenues for getting the uniforms, and I quickly found that there's not really anyone out there who offered a quality Starfleet uniform from that era. And so I taught myself how to sew, and I put together all the uniforms. And I think I've made about 10 NX uniforms, as well as Admiral jackets and Romulan jackets and all of that. So I'm glad you liked them. That's really cool. Yeah, they look fantastic. Oh, just out of curiosity, would you be using the spacesuits that were... uh that like the the gold spacesuits that they use a lot in the show as well. Would you maybe have one of those in there? No, we don't have any EVA sequences, and I I wrote that pers- I purposefully decided not mm-hmm. to use EVA in this because I knew that between everything else, it would be incredibly painful to try and get accurate EVA suits in there more so than a standard jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I mean, they're not used in every episode. I mean, it's kind of only if you're on a spacewalk or going into a ship that's decompressed. Right. It yeah. seems like the yeah, it seems like the space station is already has oxygen in it. So I can understand that. Uh, the film, like you right. said, deals with the Romulan, the Romulan War. Will we? Uh, I mean, there and there's also that. I remember the beginning scene in the movie. It looked like it had some kind of. I don't know if it was like a big spinning thing or something like that. A question, uh, since you're a fan of the show, what are your thoughts on the whole temporal Cold War topic that was Riley using the series? And as a follow-up, are there any, like, elements of time travel or any distortions in space-time or anything like that in, the sh- in this uh, movie you're creating? Well, um, the with the opening scene that took place 250,000 years ago with the Iconians, uh, that, that does come into play in the movie. It's kind of like a prologue to the movie. There were some people who commented on YouTube and said, well, this doesn't have anything to do with Enterprise or it's not Star Trek enough or something. It's like, well, that's because it's set 250,000 years ago and it's a prologue <laughs> to the main story. And there are, you know, I mean, obviously, so it's elements of that are are carried over and that story is indeed continued later in the film. And it has a lot to do with uh, elements of the temporal Cold War so there, that is dealt with because there are, there were parts of that story that we never got to see fully concluded in the show, and I wanted to take the opportunity to conclude them. And so there there are elements of time travel and temporal Cold War in the movie, yes. So, big spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome, man. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. 
Well, aside from the creation of the sets and all the other stuff, you've also composed the music, I believe, for the film. How long have you been composing music, and how did you go about, you know, creating the score for the the film and everything? Well, of all the things I do, music, I've probably been doing music the longest since I was very young. Um, I, I first, you know, I've always been a singer and I've been a guitar player for a long time. And in college, I was actually a music major for guitar and voice. And so it's music has been a very big part of my life for sure, and I've composed for a lot of other projects too. And throughout doing this whole thing, doing the score is one of the things I've really been looking forward to. And so in writing the score, I uh, you know I wrote everything out with with notation, and I used samplers and synths and all that to to get the sound and and then mixed in with the rest. I used uh, East-West Quantum Leap Symphonic Orchestra and Contact in their synths and samples for a lot of the sounds as well. So um, it's it's been a very... That part of the process has been very enjoyable as well. Man, it's a beautiful score. I was listening to it. It's just gorgeous Thank score. You. I mean, it kind of... Oh, you're welcome, man. It stands alone from a lot of the other scores, which I really liked, and it just it really uh, flows smoothly. Right quick, while we have a little bit of time left on the show, uh, do you have any, like, website links or any, like, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that you'd like to give out for more people to find out about your uh, Horizon film and also any other films that you're in, like, Action or anything like that? Sure. Uh, the, our, we have our official website, which is StarTrekHorizon.com. And all of our info is on there. We have our video blogs and the opening scene and the teaser and all that. And there's, of course, still images, too. And information about the cast and the crew and the characters they're playing and all that good stuff. And we also have our Facebook page, which is, if you just search on Facebook for Star Trek Horizon, you'll find it. Or you can go facebook.com slash Horizon. And the Facebook tends to get our updates first, usually, because it just is faster and easier to throw an update on there and then it all gets backlogged to the website within, you know, a couple of days usually. And there's oftentimes on the Facebook too, we'll post, you know, work in progress pictures of something that's being worked on and to kind of keep people updated and interested. So that's always a good place to to find the very latest and greatest news. And in terms of Axonar, it's just Star Trek Axonar dot com. So and um that's also a really great project that I've that I've been putting a lot of time into and I think people will really like. Well, nice. That's awesome, man. It was, Tommy, it was great having you on the show, buddy, and I really look forward to seeing Horizon once completed and uh, keep up the excellent work, man. I hope you have a good time with that. And it looks like a fantastic series and I really look like I said forward to seeing it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that and uh, the kind words and I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been a very nice conversation. No, no problem. You take care, buddy. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye.